Well, amen. If you have your Bible, will you open it with me to Matthew chapter 14? Matthew 14, that is going to be the main text that we are in tonight. Before we get there, if if you have been with, uh, and I I said this earlier, but just so everybody's on the same page, if you've been with us uh, for the last month, uh, you've been hearing January 8th, January 8th, and this is the day uh, that we had planned to just really cast the vision for, for Grace Point Church Rogers. Uh, we have been here since September 11th of 2010, so about uh, a little less than four months ago, we had our very first service. And, and here's what we believe. We came, uh, let me tell you this first, we came from Grace Point Church, Bentonville. It was at a time when uh, God began to do, actually a, a little over a year ago, when God began to do a huge work in, in my life. Uh, I was employed at the Boys and Girls Club in Rogers for, uh, which is just right down the road here, for about two years. And it was during that time, uh, as, as I was there, that I began to watch churches in the east part of Rogers really began to move out of, uh, of the East Rogers area. Not only that, um, the whole time that I was there, I, I really never even saw church presence. And as I looked around and I saw the lives of, of kids and children who, uh, some of them you'll hear stories about uh, later today. Uh, we have some people from the Boys and Girls Club here, good friends of mine. They're going to be telling you about some of those about some of those people. And I looked around and I, the need was so big and I felt like, God, here I am, what can I do? One person in the midst of 300 kids who had broken homes, broken families, and I was going, God, what's the plan? There's got to be a plan here. If, if not, people are going to be hopeless. And, and Pete said, here, or God told me, he said, here's the plan. You're going to start a church in East Rogers. I'm going to start a church in East Rogers. I don't even know how to do that. I don't know anything like that. But as God began to move in my heart and my life and, and even our lead pastor over in Bentonville, God really aligned our hearts to say, man, we're going to do this together. Uh, most of the time, if you come, you're going to uh, hear from our lead pastor, Mike McDaniel. I speak just kind of here and there. But we are uh, we're known as a multi-site church. We are one church uh, in multiple locations. We use the same resources, the same budget, the same uh, just kind of everything. We work together. We have a church in Bentonville and a church here. As we've been walking through this in the last four months, God has just began to do more and more and more in my life and began to say, man, there's more for you. How many people in here know that that God has a plan for Grace Point Church Rogers? God has a plan for us. It's not just, hey, let's just show up here on Saturday nights. We'll sing a few songs. We'll hear a sermon. We'll go home and, and, and that's it and that's good. God has a plan for us. And tonight, I want to, I just kind of want to walk through that. And I've been, man, I've been seeking the Lord in a big way, saying, God, what can we do? Uh, my passion is people. It's not about a building. It's not about a show. It's not about playing church. It's about people's lives being changed. And the way that that's going to happen is through the church. That is the tool that God has established to accomplish his purposes. And so that's why we're here tonight. Uh, if you have a bulletin, there should be on the back just kind of a guide that's going to walk you through where we're going. One of the things that I want to do is I want to walk, uh, I want to walk backwards a little bit. I think, uh, the first thing on there is that at times we must, how do I word that? At times we must remember our past to see the future. 
at times we must remember our past to see the future. If you were here last week, one of the things that we did, uh, one of the things that I did is, as I spoke is we walked through scripture and, and looked at all the different times where, where, God, or where the, the writers of the Bible would say, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord, remember the Lord, and, uh, but above everything else, remember the gospel. Isaiah 53 is one of the very first times in the Bible where the gospel is just laid out very, very clearly for us. Isaiah 53, 1, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He goes from God straight to Jesus. He, being Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Listen to this. Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by you and by me. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But in light of what we did, in light of, what, of how we condemned him and said that, that God punished him, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus. And by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. If you don't hear anything that I say the rest of the night, my heart and my passion is that you know Jesus Christ. The future of Grace Point Church, it's going to go on. We're going to function. My heart is that you know the God, the creator of the universe, who created you for a purpose. And I believe because of sin, every person has a God-sized void in their life. Romans 1 goes on to say that, that the things that God created and even the things that we created, we've tried to supplement those things for the things of God, for a relationship with God. And it's because of that we no longer have a relationship with Him. And so God sent Jesus because of the punishment for our sin. God sent Jesus to take that punishment. God absorbed the wrath that we deserve. Jesus took those things. And it is by faith. It is by receiving. It's by saying, uh, what is it? Second Corinthians 5, uh, 5.20 says, uh, uh, But for our sake, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. That when, when God looks at Pete Finfrock, he doesn't see Pete Finfrock the sinner. Man, you want to hear my past? I got stories. You want to hear me right now? I got stories. I'm jacked up. I messed up. But when God sees Pete Finfrock, he sees the righteousness of him because of Jesus Christ. If you hear nothing else tonight, some of you may be going, I don't have a clue what this dude's talking about. Come and see me after this. That is the most important thing. Walking through the scriptures at times we must remember our past to see our future. God says, remember, remember. Last week I, I read through about 20 different scriptures. I want to hit just a few more just so that we're on the same page. Deuteronomy 5.15 says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Deuteronomy 7.18, Be not afraid of them. Remember well that the Lord your God... Uh, Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Deuteronomy 8.2. 8, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Deuteronomy 8.18. 8, 
8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. First Chronicles 16.12, David says, Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Nehemiah 4.14, as he is rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, and there's opposition coming against him, he says, After this, I looked things over. I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Job 36.14, remember to extol his work, which people have praised in song. Psalm 119.52, I remember, Lord, your ancient laws. Uh, Jeremiah 51.50, and this is one of my favorite ones. It says, remember the Lord in a distant land and call to mind Jerusalem. There's more passages in the New Testament where Jesus says, remember my words, remember my words, remember me. Here's, here's what I want to do. Uh, if you're new, I just, man, thank you for being here. Um, a, a lot of what I'm going to be saying tonight is I'm going to be speaking to the people who were with us from the beginning, especially in this section right here. Uh, it is it is my hope that you guys walk with us as we as we continue. Again, I believe God has a great plan for Grace Point Church Rogers. Uh, but right now, what I want to do, man, we just walk through the scriptures. In fact, two two hundred and forty five times in the Bible, the word remember is used, and about a hundred of those times says remember the Lord. Remember his works. Remember what he's done. Remember, the, remember God. Here's what I want to do for every person in here, especially if you were here when we launched this church. Here is my call to you. Do you remember when God called you to come to Grace Point Church Rogers? Do you remember as, as we were meeting in my, many, of, many families, there was about six or seven families leading up to this. We, we were getting together, the, the people who said, we want to lead, we want to step up, we want to do this. Do you remember that time? Do you remember the times whenever we were at Grace Point Church Bentonville and we were laying our hands on the ushers and saying, man, God has a plan for the ushers. We were laying our hands on the people saying, God has a plan for the greeters. God has a plan for hospitality. God has a plan for every single person who came to Grace Point Church Rogers. And remember, Pete Finfrock didn't recruit a single person here. There's not one family sitting in this room that I came to and I said, man, will you come help start Grace Point Church Rogers with us? Will you come and help us? God called you. Every single person in here, if, if you were here from the beginning, you came to me and said, man, we feel like God's telling us to do that. If we don't remember where God brought us from, if we don't remember the works that he's done in the past, if we don't remember why we're here, we get distracted by things. We, we get distracted by a building that doesn't look like where we came from. We get distracted by 7 o'clock, that's late on a Saturday night when everybody else is at home watching a football game. We get distracted by things that when God called us, weren't there. Here's, here's where I'm going. Remember, remember that God called you to be here. Don't let the stuff, don't let, don't let just the small little things distract you from God's calling in your life. If we don't remember we're going to veer off course and not be where God wants us. Before we get into, uh, that's kind of the past of where we're going. I want to, just before we get into the present of where I feel like we're really at right now. I just, I want to share my heart for a second. And man, I, there were uh, about 20 of us who met before the service. And we were in the back room and we were just praying that God would just really do something. And and the things that the Lord had done in my heart before just really began to came, come to life even more. 
And, and I just want, just very bluntly, to, to tell you, man, this is, this is where I believe in the next two, three, five, six, seven. I, I don't have a time frame, but kind of a long term of what I feel like God is calling Grace Point Church Rogers to be. In the depths of my heart, I believe that God has called Grace Point Church Rogers to change the entire culture of the East Rogers area. What do I mean by that? I mean by physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that the entire life of the families that are in this area, as the other churches have moved out, not, not all of them, but, but some of them have, as businesses continue to move out, that God has called the families who are here right now, the families who are sitting in this room, to literally, and I'm not speaking in a figurative way, to literally change and be the life-giving source of the culture and families. To, for us, as Grace Point Church moves, so everybody else moves. As we go, so everybody else goes. And I believe that that's God's call for the church. I believe it's God's call for us now. I believe it's God's call for Grace Point Church Rogers. And that gets me excited. And, and know that I'm saying that with the full understanding that in five years, if we're not there, it makes me look like a fool. If I didn't believe that that's what God had for us, I wouldn't be saying it. With everything in me, that's what I believe. And I hope that you want to be a part of those, um, want to be a part of that as well. Let's, uh, Matthew 14, let's start walking through that. Starting in verse 13, if you have been, if you have been in church at all, this story is going to be very familiar to you. Um, over the last two months, I've been walking, I've been you know, walking through the book of Matthew for whatever reason. I just, man, I felt like one of the gospels is where I was supposed to be. Uh, I can't think of anybody's life that's better to study than Jesus Christ himself. So I just kind of started walking through it. And when I got to chapter 14, it was, uh, man, I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get past a story that I've heard since I was two years old. I'd try to kind of go to the next verse. I'd try going to the next chapter. And it was, God was like, no, I've got something for you. And I'd, I've read this story a thousand stinking times. That ever happened to you? And all of a sudden, God reveals just like a new truth to you or, or he says, man, this is what I have for you. This is the plan that I have for you. And, and that's what happened uh, to me right here. Uh, the story of the five loaves and the two fish where, where God blesses uh, a small little portion. God used 12 people, five loaves of bread, two fish to feed. The Bible says 5,000. That means 5,000 men. It could be upwards of 20,000 people. God did a miracle. Here's what I believe. I believe that this story relates, that this is the word for Grace Point Church Rogers, that, that when God looks at 15 families that are here, 17 families that are here, I, I don't know how many families are represented in this room, that God wants to do a miracle in East Rogers where lives are changed, where miracles happen, not where Grace Point Church gets, gets the honor, the blessing, the exaltation, not where I get it, but where Jesus Christ is exalted and people go, whatever they have, I want. Whatever they have, I want. Where are we presently? Starting in verse 1, and this is going to kind of set forth where we're going. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. 
We're going to stop right there. The, the thing that happened is Jesus' life, if you read the chapters kind of leading up to this, Jesus' life is in full swing. His ministry is going. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's preaching that God's kingdom is coming. And, and all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the little section leading up to that, John the Baptist, who is the forerunner for Jesus' ministry, who came and he said, Jesus is coming. You better be ready for him. He's the Messiah. He's going to be doing things you've never seen before. That guy gets killed. Jesus' life was going this way. He was going a direction, and all of a sudden, something happened to him. And I don't want to focus so much on John the Baptist, on his life, on his death, on, on anything like that. What I want to focus on is that his circumstances changed. And I think for, for every single person here, who is, especially who is called at Grace Point Church to come, and, to come and help start this, our circumstances have changed. Every person in here, we had an expectation of what this was going to look like. We had an expectation of what we were going to be doing. We had an expectation of every single thing. And, and for most of us, our expectations didn't get met. For most of us, our circumstances totally changed. And I look at Jesus and I go, well, well, what did Jesus do? When his circumstances changed, what did he do? And it says, listen to this. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. This is very, very critical for the life of Grace Point Church Rogers, I believe. There were two things that happened in desolate places. And I want to walk through that. And this is one of the fill in the blanks. When Jesus went to a desolate place, he prayed. In every single one of the Gospels, Jesus would withdraw to a solitary... The word was either he would either withdraw to a solitary place or to a desolate place. De- desolate place. That is the reason why... Today at 5.30, we came in here and there were 20 of us gathered in the back room and we were praying. We said, God, give us direction. God, show us where we're going. God, we need you. We need you in our families. We need you in our community. We need you in our homes. We need you in our personal life. In every single way, Jesus, we need you. And this is something that's going to keep going. And and I'm going to tell you this. If we miss this, if we miss corporate prayer, we're going to miss what God has for us. I totally believe it. We're going to have people going this way. We're going to have people going this way. We're going to have people going this way. I want to go where God's going. And for us to be on the same page, it's got to start with prayer. When Jesus went to a desolate place, he prayed. I'm going to encourage everyone. If you don't show up, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I promise. It takes, it takes a lot for that to happen. If you want God to move in your life, it's going to start in that place. It's going to start with prayer. The other thing that happened in a desolate place, and this is what we just talked about, is that a miracle happened. There was a miracle. A a desolate place, the the word that's actually used for that is that it was a a place that was forsaken. Many people believe that that in this place, that there was actually, there used to be a town, or there used to be a city, or there used to be people dwelling in this area. Jesus went to a place that, that used to be inhabited. For this, I look at this and I go, man, this is like, this is talking about East Rogers. This is talking about where we're at as, as businesses leave, as churches leave, that Jesus went to that very place to get away. And then look at what happened. Starting this in verse 14, I just want to say, at the present state of where we're at, just to go back where we're at, for many of us, our circumstances have changed. And that's okay. I'm not sitting here going, man, all of our expectations should have gotten fulfilled because 
in reality, there's no way that could happen. But our circumstances have changed. If we want God to do something big, come and pray with us. 5.30, next, uh, next Saturday night, we'll be here. And we want to see God do something big. But he also did a miracle. Uh, going in to where I believe God is taking Grace Point Church Rogers, that he wants to do a miracle. As, as I look at the future of Grace Point Church Rogers, this is, this is where I really get excited. If you've been around me uh, very long at all, this getting outside of the four walls of, of church, man, it is my heart and it is my passion because I know that that's where most people who don't know Jesus are. And if we choose to stay in here and we choose not to go out, we're going to be in trouble. So one of the things that I want to do walking through this is there are three truths about God and there's three truths about Grace Point Church Rogers that they, they coexist, they go hand in hand together that are found in this passage. And I want to go through it and say, man, this, this is where we're going. This is, this is uh, man, yeah, this is where we're going. This is what God has for us. Now when, Jesus heard, or, now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Again, Jesus goes to a desolate place, a place that had been forsaken, goes, most likely goes and prays, and then all of a sudden what happens? 5,000 people show up, possibly up to 20,000 people show up. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. They're always, they always state the obvious, right? This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Listen, look at what happens. The people who are closest to Jesus come to him. They see a need of people who are hungry, and what do they do? Jesus, there's somebody else who can meet their need. Jesus, send them away, man. What the heck are we going to do? Look at Jesus' response. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. One of the truths about God in Grace Point Church Rogers is that God wants to use you and not someone else. One of the truths about God and Grace Point Church Rogers is that God wants to use you and not someone else. God's not looking for someone else to do what he's called you to do. God's not looking for someone else for me to fi- or God's not looking to find someone else to do what he's called me to do. In Matthew 18, 19 through 20, he said, he's speaking to you, or he's speaking to the disciples, and he's speaking to all believers. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them and teach them. In Acts 1, 8, he says, uh, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In 2 Corinthians 5.16, he says, And we are Christ's ambassadors. Listen to this. God making his appeal through us. God is looking to use every single person in here. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care. What, God is looking to use you. And if you don't step up, you're not going to be used by God in a major way. One of the, one of the other verses that I believe is, is Acts 2, 42 through 46 is where the church is established. And there were three different places. And this is where I believe God wants to use every single person in here. It says that the church was meeting in the temple. The church was meeting in homes. And, and it said that, that signs and wonders were being done in the community. Listen to this. This is so awesome. 
and awe came upon every person who saw it. Outside of the four walls of this church that God was doing signs and wonders and miracles that could only be accredited to him and the people were in awe. What does that mean personally for us? God wants to use you here. God wants to use you on a Saturday night at 6.15 when we walk in, in the doors and Peace Lutheran Church is walking out. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to set up these speakers. He wants to use you to set up that screen. He wants to use you to set up Planet Kids. He wants to use you. If you have been called by God to come to Grace Point Church Rogers, God wants to use you. And we need you. One of the things that, that we did is we set up a rotation with our We World and Planet Kids, which is our children's area. And there's some people here, you hate kids. <laughs> and I get it, man. That's like, I get it. That's just, <laughs> can I be blunt about that? Uh, I mean, it's just, that's the reality is, man, we don't like kids. I'm, we don't like kids. Some people don't like kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's... All joking aside, we need you to step up and teach those kids and love them and care for them. Why? Because God has chosen to use you and not someone else. It takes, I'm guessing, 10 or 15 minutes to look at your lesson before you come in. And our kids need to hear the story that God has for them. God wants to use you. God wants to use you here on Saturday night at 6.15. Next week, I'm expecting to see every single person here. If you are committed to Grace Point Church Rogers, we need you. There's this thought and an idea that we have too many people and, and that we don't need everyone to come and help set up. That's not true. That's not the reality. We need you to come here. We need people to come and meet in homes, in body life groups. One of the things that we did is we sent out a survey to every single family in our church and said... Uh, just ran through lots of different things. What do you think about the preaching? What do you think about the worship? One of the things that we put on there, are you connected? Do you feel connected? And you know what? The, it, it was probably the highest scoring thing on the survey. People said, we feel connected. The people who gave it a low score aren't involved in a body life group. And I get it. It's tough, man. I'm a busy dude. I got a lot going on. But man, when it comes to body life groups, people need to be connected. Meet in people's homes. Walk through life together with people. That's where, listen, it's not going to happen here. And as we grow, as we continue to grow, we're going to feel more and more disconnected when we come here on Saturday nights. Get involved in a body life. God wants to use you. Regardless if you feel like you can be used by God or not, God wants to use you. God wants to use you outside of the four walls of this church to do a miracle in East Rogers. God, here's what I believe. God wants to do signs and wonders. Signs and wonders of what he's doing. Not of Pete Finfrock, not of Grace Point Church, not Mike McDaniel, not Stephen Fulton, not the staff. God wants to be exalted through miracles. You're about to have a, we're about to discuss a platform for where some of those things can happen. Point number two. God does God-sized miracles with human-sized numbers. God does God-sized miracles with human-sized numbers. Look at, just to walk back through it. This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away 
to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Look at their response. Jesus, what do we have? What do we have? We have a building that's not ours. It's got bright red carpet. Right? I need to wear sunglasses sometimes when I'm preaching. God, we're, this is all we have. We only have 15 or 20 families. How can we do anything? How can we do the work of the Lord if we only have a few people doing this and a few people doing that? God says, watch me work. I'm going to do a God-sized miracles with human-sized numbers. And that gets me excited. Here's a Pete Finfrock quote, one of the few and far between. It says, when people see a miracle, they accredit it to something God did. When people see something that man can do, they accredit it to something that God is not involved in. I'll say that one more time. When people see a miracle, they accredit it to something God did. When people see something that man can do, they accredit it to something that God's not involved in. You ever been involved in something that you know you can do and it doesn't matter if God shows up or not? Story of my life. I'm involved in a lot of things that Pete Finfrock can do. A lot. You ever seen when God shows up? You ever seen millions of dollars raised for a new building, debt-free? Have you ever seen someone's life so changed in a way that you look at it and you go, There is no way that they did that. That's my life. That's the story of my life. When people hear my testimony, they go, people who know me now, who didn't know me before I knew Christ, they look at me and they go, dude, there is no way that was you. There ain't no way. One of the desires, and man, I've been talking with several people, is that I am am so hungry to see God do something that only He can do. I'm so hungry to be around people who go, I know I can't do it, but I know God can. It fuels my heart. With everything in me, I want to be a part of something that only God can do. And here's what I believe. I believe that with 15, 16, 17, 20 families, however many it is that we have here, for us to change the culture of a city, for us to impact it in such a way that, that it changes everything that happens, it's going to take a miracle from God. And I want to be a part of that because I'm sick of seeing what I can do. One of the things uh, that, that I said earlier, is that, actually I didn't say this exactly, but one of the things that I believe is that the greatest miracle that you can see is someone's life who gets just totally rocked. Someone's life who just gets totally changed. I mean, God can do fancy, smanchy stuff. And here, listen, before I go any further, know that I am not talking about chasing miracles. I'm not. I'm not talking about chasing wild, crazy, God bringing down fire kind of things. Here's what I'm chasing. I'm chasing God. I believe that when we chase Him with everything, when we have radical obedience, radical faith, when we trust Him with everything that we have, it is inevitable that you'll run into a God-sized thing. It's inevitable. But the craziest things that I've seen, the the greatest impacts that I've ever seen 
are lives that have been changed in an amazing way. As, um, as I've been just praying and looking, saying, God, where is the next step for Grace Point Church Rogers? One of the things I hear from just about everyone is, dude, we gotta, we got to start doing something in the community. we got to start doing there. Uh, as I was reading through the scriptures and, again, reading through the book of Matthew, one of the things that I noticed is that Jesus always met the need that was right in front of him. There might, there might be one or two other times where he, where he did something that, uh, that met the need of someone further away, but for, for the most part, almost every single time that Jesus did a miracle, he met a need that was right in front of him. And so I was, as I was looking, I was going, Lord, where, is, where, are, we, where are we supposed to go? Uh, it's kind of like he hit me on the head with a sledgehammer. He said, it's right in front of you. The, the very place that you came from. And so one of the things that I want to do is I want to uh, go ahead and call Kevin and Hannah up here. Uh, this is, man, this is, this is where we're going. If you want to get involved in, uh, you guys can have a seat. Let me move this. Uh, if you want to get involved in, in the outreach that I feel like we're supposed to be involved in, this is where we're going. Uh, Kevin Crow, who is a, just a good friend of mine. He is the director of the boys and girls club here in Rogers. We're talking, it's about a block, two blocks away from where we are. And, uh, Man, he, Kevin is actually helping start, a, he's uh, helping plant a church in Bella Vista right now. And this is Hannah. Really, you're the special programs coordinator at the Boys and Girls Club. And so one of the things uh, that, that I just, man, I felt like for sure, 100% sure, this is where we are supposed to go. This is where the ministry is supposed to happen. I told you, as I work there, there are broken lives, broken families, broken, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it, there's some rough people that are there. They got a, a, a tough time. So one of the things I wanted, I wanted you guys to hear from them. I can get up here and I can tell you all about it and, and all that, but I, I want you guys to hear from them. So this is again, Kevin. Uh, why don't tell us about the Boys and Girls Club? What What do you guys do? Why are you there? Things like that. All right. Um, well, we're not a daycare. We get um, kind of pointed as that many times, but we're considered a youth development center. Uh, everything that we do, we try to have a purpose behind to make a difference in these kids. Uh, we try to make our fees incredibly cheap, um, so that way no kid can turn around and have um, just a ton of scholarships to give out. So that way any kid who comes to our door, um, we try to meet it. Um, so with that said, uh, we try to get the purpose behind every single thing we do. We have a homework help in our learning center um, for mentoring and tutoring. Um, we have a game room, we have a gym, um, an art room, an arcade room, and we have a activity in the gym. We try to do different tournaments. We try to make different aspects of kids getting involved. And so we have little Johnny over here who's not real good at basketball. You know, our staff is really great about trying to take him in. Like, right, let me teach you. Let's try to figure out a tournament you can do. We try to develop them as uh, young men and women. Um, we know a lot of these kids come from broken families and we try to constantly just do things um, just, to, just to support each other. So that's kind of uh, what we do, what we're about. Yeah. You mentioned something about just like the broken families and things like that. What is, like when you look at just kind of the makeup of the people who are there, what is, what's that look like? Um, well, we, our kids basically six to 17 um, come in. Um, the majority of our kids are about nine to 10 years old or in that age room, age group. Um, we've got um, roughly about 60% are boys, 40% girls, um, and they're about half and half as far as uh, um, Hispanic to uh, Caucasian kids. Um, Majority of our kids um, are considered um, from families that are considered low income. Um, roughly, um, well, Hannah will talk more about the stats about different things, but majority of our kids come from um, families that are 
at or below um, poverty lines. Yeah. So it's uh, when you look around. I mean, it's it's pretty broken. People are poor. Uh, and yeah, I want I want Hannah to talk about that just a little bit. Um, Hannah, tell me, we've kind of gotten to know each other just over over the past few weeks, and one of the things that I mean, God is uh, with the things that we've talked about about you know being able to step into the lives of kids. I mean, God's really He's kind of confirmed some things. Yeah, he's, you... uh, God's really confirmed a lot of things for me. Um, first of all, I work like I've worked for the Boys and Girls Club for about three and a half years now. Um, and I started working there because mentoring shaped my life. Um, like, and I just really, and I love kids. So I just really felt like I could give back by working at the boys and girls club. Um, but like with this program that we're starting, um, we're reaching out specifically to kids growing up in homes without fathers. Um, and like it, I grew up in a home without a father and, um, like, Mentoring has just changed me um, because it it just really helped me want to relate to my relationship with God better. Just having like certain mentors in my my youth pastor uh, Chantry, he just he poured himself into me, and it's really shaped who I am today. Um, and it's helped me relate to God. And so, uh, just I'm trying to think of how to articulate this what we do at the boys and girls club and what we're starting here with you all, it will drastically change the lives of these kids. Um, I like, I have some like national statistics and everything about kids growing up in homes without fathers. And I'll just read them off to you. 63% of youth suicides, 71% of teen pregnancies, 90% of all home homeless youth, 70% of kids in foster care, 85% of kids with beh- beh- with behavior disorders, 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of adolescents in rehab, and 85% of all Americans or of all um, people 25 and younger sitting in prison grew up in homes without dads. Um, and so, had these people had a, a father figure or just a strong person to like mentor them and show them that there is a better way to live, they wouldn't be there. And so like to bring that back to here at the boys and girls club last year in 2010, we had approximately 450 club members. And of those 450 club members, 364 of them are being raised in a home without a dad. Um, that's say, 80, that's 81% that of our club <laughs> of the approximate 450 club members. 364 of them are growing up in a home without a father. Um, so what we are hoping to do with you is have have people in, have you guys come and just reach out to these kids. Like Kevin and I and um, our assistant director, Ashley, picked out just like 15 kids right now um, that we really feel like could benefit a lot from the mentoring um, so, yeah. Tell, so tell us a little bit more about those kids. What is, what's the makeup of their homes? Who are they, age, um, things like that? A lot of the kids that we picked um, are about eight or nine years old. But and we picked out several sibling groups. Um, just I'll give you like a brief summary of some of their conditions. Two of our kids, their brother and a sister, um, this summer their mom, like their dad is not in the picture at all. And this summer their mom just like gave them to a friend and said she didn't want them anymore. 
Um, and so they were coming. Uh, I was I, at the time I was working at the Bentonville Club, and they were coming to the Bentonville Club. And they um, they would come in every day. And they're two of like the sweetest kids, and they're so well behaved. But the little girl, she would just sit at the front desk with me and just cry every morning when she got dropped off because she missed her mom and she she didn't understand why her mom didn't want her. Um, and then like towards the end of the summer, mom came back in and like took her from or took them from the person who had been taking care of them and just said, you know, you can't have any contact with them. You're trying to turn my kids against me. Um, and so mom's just kind of, you know, she's just apparently crazy, you know? Um, (laughs) and, uh, that's the home that these kids are growing up in. They don't have any stability. Um, and they would benefit from mentoring just from having an adult who cares for them and is that stable person in their life. Um, and then another group that we have, um, it's two brothers and a sister and they all share a bedroom in a two bedroom apartment, um, over on the other side of Rogers and, uh, they, none, like, the two younger ones, um, their brother and sister, they have the same dad. So they get to see their dad once or twice a month. Um, but the oldest son, he is, he just turned 12 yesterday, and he has never known his dad. And so on the weekends that his brother and sister go to their dads, he has to sit at home alone or go to the aunt's house whenever mom is at work. And mom's just not really, she's not really involved in any of their lives. And so all of these kids, like that's just two families that we that we picked to be part of this mentoring thing. But um, they would just benefit so much from having good people that love them, or, you know, that they just need people that are going to love on them, you know. So what do you, when you say mentoring, what, is, what does mentoring mean? Um... It's just someone that's going to pour into these kids, just get to know them and show them by setting an example through their own lives what it is to be a good, you know, upstanding citizen, I guess. You know, like it's just what, what what's yeah. the time requirement for something like that? Um, um, kind of what we're hoping um, is an hour a week is just. Most people can do that, but one hour a week. Um, as I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, we have quite a bit of things going on at the club. Um, so especially starting off when we talked about the mentoring, um, just coming in um, and just intentionally spending time with um, this young man or young lady, playing a game of pool, playing um, an arcade game, um, doing an art project, helping them with homework, um, you know, reading a book, uh, whatever it is that they're interested in, whatever it is that you want to kind of introduce to them, but just intentionally spending an hour um, with them once a week is kind of what we're hoping to see. Can, I, I don't know. I, I hear some of those things. And I go, can, can that really impact a kid? Yeah. I mean, an hour a week, that's like, that's not very much time. I, have, I just have some statistics, actually. Um, <laughs> kids who meet with a mentor just three times a month are 46% less likely to use drugs, 27% less likely to use alcohol, 52% less likely to skip school, and 33% less likely to hit someone, which would be really great for us. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying spending an hour a week with a child can impact their life. Yeah. They, these kids just need to know that someone cares about them. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Tell me, Kevin, I heard tonight that apparently there's people who don't like kids. Okay. I don't, I don't know if that's here or if that's in another church. I'm Somebody in that same boat. That. It's okay. <laughs> you're in the wrong profession. Yeah, wrong profession. <laughs> there, the, the reality is there, there are, there's some people, man, kids just aren't their thing. Mm-hmm. 
if, if someone said, man, I want to go to the Boys and Girls Club, and I get it, I hear the need. I mean, that's what you're talking about, the broken homes, the broken families, all this stuff. But man, I'm just not good with kids. Is there is there anything else that can be done over there? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, for most of you, you may or may not know, we're just a couple blocks up. Um, we're the old armory, um, and so we're an old building. Um, and I pretty much take care of all the maintenance, which is maybe a little scary all in one. So um, when you drive by, a lot of people kind of get this grinch look of like, is that really a prison yard or is that really a place for kids? I'm not really sure. Um, but we try to make the best of what, we, what we've got. Um, a few of you guys I know have uh, had the opportunity to come into the club when you guys have done a couple outreach things. Um, but from painting to fixing a fence to um, helping me put a, together a pool table, which is beating my tail right now, um, it, it's somewhat together. Um, from just, I mean, there's tons of different things that uh, just outside of just the norm. Um, I mean, helping us even just stocking supplies from time to time. Um, occasionally, you know, picking up the yard. We use a lot of community service when we can. Um, you know, whenever the court system sends someone over, we'll help them, you know, pick up trash for us or whatever. But just trying to keep the place um, picked up and trying to keep the place um, fixed because with as many kids as we have that come through, they break things quite frequently. Um, and we're obviously in an old building, so things break quite frequently. So, um, yeah, if your thing's not kids and you just can lend a hand with a, putting back together a sink or whatever, I'd love to have you come by and help me out. Absolutely. So, so right now there is an immediate need, one, to step into kids' lives who, who just come from a very dysfunctional home. Another is, man, just, just helping fix the place up, coming by uh, and, and helping out. Is that right? Absolutely. And kind of something to kind of just throw into the side. Um, a neat thing about us, there's roughly 13 elementary schools in the Rogers School District. Um, we serve two, and we average anywhere from about 140 to 160 kids a day. Um, so kind of give you an idea of just the need even that's there, um, um, just in the community, as you talked about earlier. Um, just East Rogers, there's five schools within um, a couple miles of our club, and we really, we, a small percentage is what we're hitting right now as far as being able to impact. Cool. Thank you guys for coming. Give them a hand. You know, one of the things that, that I was thinking about, Kevin, is kids may not be your thing. Obviously, the Boys and Girls Club, their primary focus is for kids. They're doing like kindergarten to senior in high school, right? That, that's their primary focus. Listen to this. Here's, here's what I was thinking about, is that the Boys and Girls Club is actually one of the only places that I can think of in northwest Arkansas that actually reaches or has every age demographic that, that you could want. You have kids from kindergarten to, to a senior in high school. I'm, I'm just going to throw my own number. Half the kids who probably work there are in college. You've got college-age kids that are there. You have single parents, mom, dad, families who are married, there's kids who are there, and we, some of the families that are here actually met them uh, at the, whenever we went there and did an outreach, that there are grandparents who are raising a lot of these kids. So l- let me just tell you this. Before you go, man, the Boys and Girls Club, that, that thing's not for me. There, there are needs that reaches every single age there. I'm not just talking, yeah, right now, 15 kids. They need someone to step into their life and make a difference. One hour a week, that's nothing. That's nothing. But just showing up, and saying, man, my thing's not them. Is there, are there any grandparents? You know, maybe your thing's grandparents or whatever. Maybe it's a mom or a dad or whatever. Hey, let me, let me just come and meet their needs. Get with Kevin. Get with me. Man, we'll talk and figure it out. There are needs all across the board at the Boys and Girls Club. Let me, 
One last point. Let me run through this real fast. Point number three, God wants to use your gifts, talents, and time to bless others. God wants to use your time or your your gifts, talents, and time to bless others. This is really interesting. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. Look look at this. Most of the disciples were fishermen. Before they, most of them left everything and followed Jesus. Some of them still fished while they were following Jesus. But listen to this. The very thing, their their occupation, their job were catching fish. When they said, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. Jesus used fish for them to serve the people who were there. So just because the, the thing that they knew, the, the thing that they understood, it didn't just totally disappear. God wants to use your gifts. There's people in here you can do things that I could never even dream of. There's people who are gifted in, in construction. There's people who are gifted in, in this, in that, in all that. And the needs at the Boys and Girls Club, I promise you, it doesn't matter where you're at. Some of you own your own business. You can, you can do this. You can do that. There are needs that every single person in here can go in there and fulfill. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what it is. Let me, let me give you two examples. We, we talked about just now 15 kids who, man, they just need somebody to step into their life. We said, hey, go and do construction. Go, go and do all these other things. Right now, I've had, uh, there have been three people who've come to me. And they've said, Pete, we have this gift. Uh, the very first one is Josh Knoll. Josh, raise your hand, wave, smile, real pretty. <laughs> uh, Josh is a, you're the head pastry chef at the Cherokee Casino. He has a gift of making food, which I really like, by the way. And and he, he can't, basically, actually, he came to Stephen. Uh, he's, he's in the Fulton's Body Life Group and said, man, I want to start a soup kitchen. And we're like, man, we're just, we're not ready for a soup kitchen. That's a, that's a whole big deal. But man, we want to steer your passion. We want to steer those things. He said, well, what about this? He said, what if, what if we go in one time a month and we feed the families at the Boys and Girls Club? He said, I'll cook it. We'll provide the food, you know, let's figure out ways to get the food in. Let's do all that. We'll get the food and we're going to go in one time a month. Uh, January 25th, which is the last Tuesday of this month, we're going to the Boys and Girls Club and we're going to feed every family that shows up. We're going to do this for... Every single month for the rest of the year, from January to December, the last Tuesday, hear this, the last Tuesday of every month, we're going to the Boys and Girls Club, and we're going to feed the families. That is a practical way of using your gifts to, to reach people. I'll tell you another way. Josh's wife, Ashley, and Callie, where's Callie? There they are. They are, they're cake decorators. Anybody here heard of Rick's Bakery in Fayetteville? Oh. Whew. It is awesome. It's like Willy, or was it ch- the chocolate factory on steroids or something like that. This place, I mean, it's like just this awesome bakery place. It's huge. That they make cakes, real fancy ones, real nice ones, real good ones. They said, "Man, we want to we want to use these gifts too." So on the same night that we go in and we feed the families, actually before that at four o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to go in and we're going to throw birthday parties for all of the kids for the for that month. So so in January. Uh, this, this upcoming January, the same day that we're going to feed the families, we're going in, throwing a birthday party. Here, here's, if you are a body life group leader, here's my challenge to you. And we haven't talked about this. I've talked with Kim. I've talked with a couple body life groups. 
I want, I want to be able to hand that off to body life groups. I want to be able to say, man, here's, here's 20 kids for the month of January. They're having a birthday party. We're bringing the cakes. We're going to do all these different things. What about you going in and throwing the party? What about you guys stepping up and saying, hey, we're going to serve every single bit of the food that comes in that night. We're going to step in and we're going to serve it. We're going to take it on. How are you going to use your gifts? How are you going to use your talents to bless people and the boys and girls? If you come to me and you say, Pete, I have this. This is what I'm going to do. The very first place I'm going to say is I'm looking at the Boys and Girls Club. We are going to pour our time, energy, resources, everything that we have in that. I feel like the, the, the illustration that I, that I uh, want to use is that there's the, there's the rifle approach and there's the shotgun approach. Whenever you have a lot of people, you can kind of do the shotgun approach where you can hit lots of things at one time. We're small, man. We've got 15 or 20 families. We're going to be direct with every single thing that we do. We're, we're just going to be pouring and investing. Is the need there? The, the need's there. Let me tell you one more thing. Another guy who comes to our church, Corey Wagahoff. I know, you don't want me to say, raise your hand. Corey's in the construction business. Corey said, Corey came and uh, did, we, were, we went to the Boys and Girls Club for three days uh, for the launch just to kind of get out there, get in the community and do some things. And, and Corey's like, man, there's a need here. I, I want to be able to do some things. He said, he said, Pete, what about this? What if I can get a bunch of items donated? What if I can get... Uh, just different things. One of the things he said, man, I got $500 worth of paint from Sherwin-Williams donated. I got a bunch of soil, a bunch of grass, a bunch of chain link fence, a bunch of all this stuff. I want to go to the Boys and Girls Club. I want to teach the kids what it means to work hard one day. Kids are lost, man. They don't know the value of good hard work. I want to go in and teach them. And I want to use Grace Point Church Rogers as a family to go in there and help do some work and just clean the place up. And I look at that and I go, man, that's using your talents, your gifts, your resources, the way that God has wired you to pour into a community. And our heart is to change the lives of people. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to change people's lives? That's where we're going. For the next year, for sure, we are going to invest so much in there. And I pray and I just look, man, the 15 kids, 15 kids who you and I promise you, I'm going to be signing up. I'll be running back there to the back and signing up. An hour a week spending time, and it can change the entire course of history for their life. My prayer is that we get out of the four walls of this. One, well, one is that, that God wants to use you here. God wants to use you here. God wants to use you in the body life group. God wants to use you outside of these four walls. Do you want to be a part of that? Because God wants to use you. Will you pray with me? Father, I know that that's just, there's so much in there, Lord, but I believe, man, looking, looking back at our past to, man, to where we remember your works, we remember your hand, where you have called so many families to come to Grace Point Church Rogers and, and be a part of whatever it is that you're doing. Lord, it's, it's so valuable to look at where we are presently. God, we look at a church, we look at our time, we look at so many different things and it we just let it determine where we're going and what we're doing but god we want to be a part of what you're doing regardless of our circumstances lord i look at the future and just go you want to use us you want to use our resources our gifts our talents and you want to do amazing things with a small group of people lord let us not sell you short let us not put you in a box 
and say, this is who God is. He can only do this. He can only do that. God, you want to use an entire church, I believe, to change the culture of a city. Will you, Lord, do something in the hearts of, of all the people in this room? Even if it didn't click tonight, Lord, let it click tomorrow. Let it click the next day. God, I, just, I see a need and I want to be your hands, your feet in a broken world. Father, we love you. It's in your name. Amen.